Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Marley Major. Marley, are you ready to do this? I'm ready to hit it and quit it. Yes, I'm ready, George. George G and Marley M. I love it. Yeah, perfect. Let's 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 go. Marley is the party yeah. goddess. She's one of the top event planners and renowned names in LA's party planning circles. She's also one of the most sought after business coaches, and she is the author of. But are you making any money? Marley, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, it's interesting because I I was listening to a bunch of your other uh, podcasts and listening to people's intros, and I was thinking, gosh, you know, they they were pretty nice and neat, you know? And I thought, (laughs) my stuff is just so messy. Like, I kept thinking, if I was stressed about anything, I was like, how is I going to do that intro? Now that I've, you know, spent most of, like, 10 minutes saying how, uh, how was I going to do the intro? But <laughs> it, uh, I, like one of your other guests said, like I, I grew up in Pasadena um, and, you know, kind of checked all the boxes, right? Like I followed the rules, very like conservative kind of family upbringing, not necessarily politics, but just like, you know, you do this and you do that and you have a strong work ethic. And I got my business degree from Georgetown and then came back to California and you know, the one pause in there was that when I one summer was bored uh, at Georgetown to before my junior year, decided to go to cooking school in Paris. And I came back and decided for some reason to tell my teacher for one of my classes that was uh, on a speech on what I knew more about than anything, anybody else. And at Georgetown, that was absolutely nothing did I know more about than them. <laughs> and my mom was like, why don't you do it on French cooking? I mean, you just came back from France. So I was like, okay. So I told my, I ran into my professor and I was like, oh, and I'm so excited because this is my topic and I'm interviewing the chef from 1789. Well, that had never dawned on me. I did not know the chef from 1789. And I, <laughs> she was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So I go back to my roommate in tears. I can't believe I just lied to my professor. I'm going to be kicked <laughs> out of school. And they are like, you know what? One of my roommates had said, um, He's this new guy from New York. Don't worry. He's, he's too new to know that, you know, he can say no, basically, to this interview. And I was like, oh, okay. So I say, listen, I just need to meet him for my class. So I meet him, and I take one look at him, and I decide I need to marry him. And that's going to be difficult because I'm 19, and he is 20 years older than I am. And he is working in the bowels of a very uh, fancy restaurant, and I am never going to see him. So – I, the whole time I'm interviewing him, I'm cooking up this plan, pun intended, of like like what my differential advantage is going to be here to get myself hired. And I kind of hang it on the fact that I noticed they had souffles on the menu. And I was like, okay, Fricker, I've made some of those over the summer. I'm going to be a souffle expert. And second, that I spoke Spanish and he didn't. And so I kind of, I realized that and and thought, okay, I'm going to worm my way in. How am I going to get this next <laughs> appointment? Which I did. And... I think he thought, whatever, I'm never going to show up. And so net net, I worked there every day or I worked three days a week for a year, get out of class at two 30 or three 30 to 1130. He never asked me out, of course. So before my senior year, I go to Normandy to cooking school, plot the entire summer, how I'm going to ruin his life when I quit. Cause I'm like his best employee. And I go back to tell him that I quit. And he says, great. You know, would you like to have dinner? 
So we get engaged the month after graduation. Oh my gosh. And yeah, so we move back to California, get into the restaurant business, have all kinds of, you know, dramas because yours truly is so focused on her goals of gold, gold, gold <laughs> of doing a million dollars in sales the first year, uh, which I did, you know, but when you have a goal and you kind of forget the other piece of it, which is you can do a million dollars in sales, but if you, you know, spend 1.2 million, mm. you, you haven't really hit your goal. You know, um, there's a, there's a missing piece. In. And so here I am, like have this great background from school and should be able to run my numbers and all this stuff. But for some reason, it was just very difficult to apply in real life what what I needed to. And so he was running the kitchen, the back of the house, and I was running the front. And by now, we've started a catering company and taken over a banquet operation. And I just kept focusing on, like, okay, it's the sales. It's the sales. Like, if I we had more customers, I mean, we, we had a lot of customers. I don't mean that, but I mean if we had more like revenue streams or we had more and, and I would just always felt stuck. Well then, you know, magic for any uh, romance, you know, is, is to be in business together and then to have financial stress. And, you know, so what do I do is, you know, this is the perfect time to get pregnant. So I yeah. get pregnant and you know, now we have financial stress, no romance, the kid getting raised in front of the cappuccino machine, you know, because it was noisy, basically in a free babysitter, if he squawked. And I'm just like, what the heck? So the whole time my, my, my dad was saying to me, listen, you know, why don't we keep getting these offers to partner up for the restaurant? Because we, we own the land, thank goodness. And he's like, why don't you do this? And I was like, no, because to me, I would have just, you know, it was like, I would have been a failure. Like, even though I did love the party part of it, I didn't love the restaurant business part of it. So anyway, my hand got forced because I, I had a very bad skiing accident. So now I can't walk. I'm on crutches. I'm in physical therapy, you know, on and on. I have a one-year-old. So we do, we cut a deal with this different restaurant group. The chef and I split. Um, we're still very good friends to this day. But, um, and I go on to, you know, after, you know, a lot of drama in my head to start the party goddess at a very low point in my life. Well, wherever you go, that is where you are. And you can whitewash any mess, but if you do not deal with the root issue, and in my case, the root issue, which was like, how, what is the, the tie between my revenue and my margins? And why isn't there more in my bank account? Right. And so here now I start the party goddess. I have all these, you know, seemingly from the outside, this, this fabulous life. And we start doing celebrity events and we start you know, doing the opening of the Hollywood Bowl and all this stuff. And so I say to my dad, uh, my parents went at a dinner. Oh, and we're doing this and we're doing that. And my dad has heard this story now for quite a while. <laughs> and it's not the first time this tune has been sung. And so he says, you know, Marlene, okay, whatever. But are you making any money? Mm. And I mean, an asteroid might, might as well have dropped in the middle of this dining room, this very fancy dining room of this restaurant. And I remember the tears were at, at the top, the rim of my eyes. And I remember just saying to myself, don't cry. Don't like, don't let it, because I knew that, that if those, if I let those tears go, they would never stop falling. And I just thought, you know, I am done. I am done with this story. I am done with, he's like, just answer the question. I mean, I'm like, well, you know, with depreciation, with, with 
He's like, what are you, depreciating martinis? How <laughs> much money is in your bank account? And when I realized that here I was again in exactly, not exactly, but in, in a very similar place, I just thought, I cannot do this. And I better come up with something to freaking figure this out because I am not going to fail. And so that's really how the book came about. I, I, I started, I created this system for myself, which is, is basically based on cost of goods sold. But I have this kind of secret sauce factor about time is a big part of it. And then I, I the reason that the book actually got written was because in our industry, we have an, this, this big industry convention every year. And you would get a free, you know, free pass if you, for the convention, if you taught a class. And so I was like, well, this is freaking great ROI. You know, I'm going to teach a class for an hour and then I'm going to get this very expensive ticket for free and I'm going to teach my class and then, you know, chop, chop, I'm going to go have a drink. And (laughs) I taught the class and all of a sudden there was like standing room only. Like I noticed that as I was doing it, people kept coming and coming in the hallways getting filled in. And then at the end I was like, okay, you know, check the box, I'm done. And people started asking questions, you know, about numbers and about well, how do you price for this and how do you charge for that? And, and I was like, okay, you must have come in late because I just told you, the rest of the group here, how I messed up my numbers and that is why I am here. Like I am the girl who took the deposit, went to Neiman Marcus, spent it, and then wondered how am I going to, you know, pay for this event that I've been contracted for. Right. They're like, no, 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 you know. And then the next question, I was like, you guys, I'm not the one to ask. Like, I have messed this whole thing up. And they were like, but you're the only one answering our questions. And I was like, what? And, and then it really did dawn on me that nobody was really talking about pricing. And nobody was talking about how do you price? And why do you set your price? Do you just copy everybody else's? Well, that's what I realized a lot of people were doing. And they were like, well, you know, how do you do your system? Like you made this system. And I was like, you don't want my system. Like, and net net, I, you know, ended up writing the book to solve my own problem and named it after this conversation with my dad, you know, where he asked me, but are you making any money? And, and I really kind of, totally fell. I mean, talk about falling into something. I mean, talking about teaching something that you considered yourself a miserable failure. at. <laughs> but what, what came out of it is, you know, when you teach something, you really do learn it. And I was not about to let anybody down. So when, when I wrote the book, I did two tons of research. One of my professors at Georgetown was, was very involved with helping me with it. And, and I kept researching and then you know, I start working with people kind of on the concepts of the book. And what I found was I would just research more and more and like, well, what were the latest pricing strategies? And, you know, was there, was this more beneficial than what I was doing? That kind of thing. And I just got better and better at it to the point that it's frightening, but I love numbers now. I mean, I absolutely love digging into how much did we charge? How much do we make? How much can we you know, eke out because the money between the wallpaper and the wall. And that's, that's what people don't realize in business is that is what matters is that space between the wallpaper and the wall. And your job is to not talking about servicing your client and having passion for it. Those you have to have no matter what, but it's about creating more space between the wallpaper and the wall. And 
constantly focusing on expanding that space. And most people miss it. Most people do what I did for a very long time, which is how can I get more sales? How can I get more customers? How can I get, and it's to, to speak to your, one of your other guests who was fabulous, Mary Alice, she said one of my favorite quotes, which is your ladders up against the wrong building. Hmm. And if you're focusing just on sales, 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 and the marketing machine and the social media machine and, and everything that we're conditioned to do, you're missing it. You first have to know how much does it cost to produce your product or service. And there are real costs, even if you are just purely a service-based business. And so that's kind of the, you know, the paradigm shift that, that I've gotten people or that I, you know, focus on because it is a big aha moment, but it's a shift. It's not how most people think. I love it. What a story. A very long winded story. (laughs) There you go. I I mean, I feel feel like, like there's so much, well, I I know that there's so much good stuff in there, but I feel like there's the title of your next book is going to be souffles in Spanish. You know what? George G. Marley M. and two plays in Spanish. You know what? Thank you very much to S and S. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm writing that down actually. So, okay. so there you go. You talk about you can you can try to pretty up any situation, but unless you get to the root cause, and the root cause of what was what was sort of alien you, you were experiencing all this massive yeah. success. You just were not. You just didn't have a good sense of what the cost to produce everything was. You were pricing things wrong. Well, it, yes. Okay, that's the that's the essence of it, right? But a lot of business owners know that, and a lot of business owners feel that, you know, aside from the fact that you know we all feel like we're never making enough money or never charging, you know, enough. But it, it was the why if I am charging X to consult, or if I have X amount in product sales. Why am I not, is there not more money that stays with me? Why does it always feel like it's coming in and all going right out? Hmm. And that was what I needed to pull apart. And so in one of the chapters in my book is called Deconstructing the Pot of Soup, right? Because that's what it felt like to me. It felt like this big mess in my head of all jumbled, of all these expenses and things that went into producing an event or producing, you know, my product. And I couldn't think, I knew there was a problem, but I, but I couldn't figure out where the problem was. Like what part of it was I not charging enough for, or was I charging enough, but I was spending too much to produce a a product or my event that I could have produced, you know, more wisely at a better rate, or was I allowing scope creep to, come into my projects? Like, was I not having enough boundaries as far as this is what, you know, my event, your event is going to include. And if you go above and beyond this, it's going to cost, you know, you're going to have overage charges kind of thing. And that gets into this whole thing too, about being a woman in business and, you know, standing up for yourself and just being like, yes, these, you know, it costs more and here's why. Because people always are trying to say, hey, well, can't I get it for this? Or can't I get it for that? Or that's a lot. Uh, you know, my sister's an event planner. It's like, okay, well, now I, I, I say, well, awesome. Go hire her. 
Uh, and that doesn't happen. They come back to me, but I love it. So it's obviously, it's obviously a lot that goes into that, but knowing your value, is obviously super important. When you talk about the space between the wall and the wallpaper, tell me more about that. Sure. So what it, what it is, is, is business, whether it's service or product based, right? It's a, you have these building blocks that go into product or service you're going to deliver. So we have the basics that, you know, we all know, like cost of goods sold. If I'm in the dress making business, I've got the fabric and I've got the thread and I've got, you know, the buttons and all that stuff. And that costs a certain amount. And what I found was in my research and consulting for so many years, that's not the part that trips people up, right? They're cool pulling the invoices and saying, okay, I see I got, you know, a thousand buttons. I need 10 per dress, divide it. Okay, that part they get. Then you've got the component of other people's time, right? So you say, okay, I pay the dressmaker you know, $10 to make this dress. Okay, so that's good. That's another pretty clean and simple line item, right? And then it gets a little stickier when you get to overhead, right? And they say, well, how do I divide my overhead? But again, that's still pretty manageable, right? If you you say, okay, I've got a home-based business or I've got my, you know, rent I pay. It's pretty, for a small business, it's, it's, it's measurable. But what I, where I found the problem was when I deconstructed this group was that the problem was in how much time we take to service the client or produce the product. And what I found is because that is not so, that path is not so linear. And I found there's a lot of emotion involved in it, which sounds very strange. But we want to, like a lot of times we go into service-based businesses because we want to make the customer happy, right? We love planning events or we love the creative component or we love seeing the smile on, you know, if a photographer sees a smile on somebody's face. But, but the part that we all, I mean, almost all of us miss is how much time does it take not to be the photographer in the photo shoot, right? That you say, well, the photo shoot was four hours and I charged them you know, $2,000 or whatever. The, the, where it gets sticky and where I help people break it down is money between the wallpaper and the wall is the drive time of the photographer to the photo shoot and from the photo shoot. Adding the time to pack all the camera equipment shop online for the extra filters, order, you know, set up the, do the editing of the images, ching, 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 all that time adds up. And then what happens is you divide the money you made by the hours you spent and you realize, which is exactly what happened to me, I would have been making more money at McDonald's. And that is the God's honest truth. I would have been, I was making, a, you know, very generously when I did this exercise, I was making less than $5 an hour. And I realized, my God, I could be working at McDonald's and I would have gotten a shift meal and probably a 401k and I wouldn't <laughs> have had to go to McDonald's after my events because I was so stressed out and tired. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? And when you, when you can have that honest conversation with yourself, because it is not pretty, and then and you are really willing to look at it and say, well, you know what? I did drive to pick up this or that, or I didn't include the you know the FedEx shipping cost to for this product. And when you when you start breaking it down, if you can start having fun with it, 
then the space between the wallpaper and the wall increases, right? Because then you say, wow, if I just ordered this one day before, I wouldn't have had rush shipping, save 40 bucks. Wow. If I had just ordered five extra napkins, even though I wasn't sure what the final count would be, well, I wouldn't have added to add them the day before at a rush charge at a you know separate delivery charge. And I could eat in the price of the five napkins at 50 cents, you know, who cares? Mm-hmm. And then you start looking at your business from a different perspective and you start looking at it from, you know, how can I be more efficient, cut my hours, et cetera. And that doesn't mean cutting your service to your customers. It doesn't mean the, you know, the doctor necessarily, oh, I used to spend 30 minutes and now I'm only going to spend 15. It's not that. It's the, it's the back stuff. And that's where we have to take the magnifying glass out and look and say, where is all of it going? But you have to do the exercise. You have to put that, that work in. Now, it's very, it's very valuable because you, you put it kind of in once almost and intensely. And the payoff is huge for the, the rest of the time you have your business. But because that stuff isn't fun, it's not the fun stuff of creating a website or, you know, designing, you know, doing social media stuff. Most people don't do it and they don't want to do it. But then what happens is their ladder's up against the wrong wall. You know, wall, by the way, with no space between its wallpaper. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I think that that's really well said. That's That's an amazing explanation. And like so many things in life that we just don't want to do and we avoid it and we refuse to look. If we just did it the one time, then we would know and it would serve us for the rest of our lives. Right. And it's, and I guess maybe part of my message and part of, you know, why I wrote the book and kind of why I get on this bandwagon is, is that, you know, I wanted to just do my business, right? Like I wanted to just do the event. And I hear that so many times from, People are like, I don't want to do the numbers. Like, I don't want to. And the message really is just, as you said, do it. Just do it once, kind of, the big overhaul. And then it, it pays dividends. But it isn't that bad. Like, once you get into it, it's kind of fun. And I will tell you, it's very empowering because nobody can really mess with you. I mean, you will, from that point, stop negotiating your rates to a ridiculous amount, right? Because you will know it takes me X amount of time and X amount of money to do this photo shoot or to, to produce this, you know, dozen cakes. And you just, you've got the knowledge. So you're like, yeah, no, I can't discount it by 25% because then I will be right back at my McDonald's moment. And then where I, where I see that's when, that's when your sea legs get built. I mean, that's when you get your, your muscles and when you really can start cranking in your business because you have a solid foundation now. But it is really about just kind of picking it apart. And it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't, it doesn't mean picking it apart and then throwing your business in the garbage. It means just picking it apart so that you can just kind of you know, reorganize the garage a bit. It isn't like we've got to sell the house. No, just take the stuff out of the garage and let's just put it back in <laughs> the most efficient way. I and love it. Then thank you, we're done. We don't, we don't have to go back to the garage next week. Beautiful. Well, Marley, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Where can they get a copy of 
But are you making any money? They can get a copy of the book on Amazon, which I would so love. Um, and they can, I've got this free little course kind of videos on exactly my method to get people to have a, a taste of it and see if it's for them. And they can do that at mini, M-I-N-I, dot theprofitgoddess.com. And that's two D's and two S's. And I think that's the best place to start. I think they, they, they check that out or, or buy the book and, and see. But the biggest, the, the message is it's not that bad. Just, just jump into it and, you know, you will feel like that, you know, Rosie the Riveter, yes, we can hear me roar at the end of it. I love it. If you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Molly your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Pick up a copy of But Are You Making Any Money on Amazon and then check out that video course. Give us the website again, Marley. It's mini.theprofitgoddess.com. At mini.theprofitgoddess.com. Thanks again, Marley. Thank you for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.